Welcome to the Journey Home Podcast. Life is full of twists and turns, and sometimes we get stuck or lost along the way. Our desire is to be a friend and resource to anyone who needs a little wisdom, advice, or encouragement on their journey. But most of all, we want you to know you're not alone. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Journey Home Podcast, and we are continuing today in our series out of the book of Galatians. Um, So far we've done three episodes, so I believe this is our fourth episode, and um, I don't don't think I, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but most of the thoughts I shared um, in the first three episodes primarily came out of the first two chapters of um, Paul's letter to the Galatians. I mean, of course, I'm sharing thoughts from the whole letter, but um, primarily, I would say they came from the first two chapters. And so now we're getting kind of to the heart of the letter. um, And it's the part of the letter where I believe the Apostle Paul is really unpacking what the gospel is and what it isn't. And so it's a very rich section theologically. I mean, there's just so much in there. um, That's just really profound and and powerful. Um, But you know, if you want to read along, um, study the book as we're doing these episodes, you know, um, just know that what I'm sharing today and probably the next few episodes is going to be coming out of Galatians 2 uh, from verse 15 onward and then into chapter 3 and then also chapter 4. Actually, today I'm mostly going to focus on um, that last portion of chapter 2. So chapter 2, verse 15 through verse 21. Um, that's mostly where I'll, I'll focus my thoughts today. Um, but, you know, as I've said, you know, Paul is really unpacking in this letter what the gospel is. And that really speaks to, I think, one of the big um, questions um, just of life, you know, in general, you know, that humanity has probably been asking from the beginning of time and probably will continue to ask until the end of time, which is, you know, some version of what do I have to do or what does someone have to do to be saved, right? Uh, to be made right with God. Or another way of asking it is maybe what does God require of us? What is he asking of us? What is he looking for in us, you know? Um, I think however you want to phrase that question, you know, specifically, I think basically that's the the thought um, that a lot of people have. And, you know, of course, these days there's many people who don't believe in God, but, you know, they may ask the question in a, in a non-religious way or non-spiritual sounding way, but it's still essentially the same question. You know, what is the meaning of life? What's life about? Or what does the universe require of us if anything you know or how do we create a you know more just world you know or or, you know there's so many big questions that people ask and are asking but I think at the end of the day it comes down to some version of um, you know what does it mean to be saved and what do we have to do in order to be saved you know and so um, you know for, for the Jew back then or even today you know, the answer to that question was um, it was obeying the law, the law of Moses or or circumcision, you know, the covenant that God made with Abraham. It was in obeying those things. Um, that was how we, 
you know, were made right or declared righteous before God, you know, and, um, you know, but maybe you don't relate to that, right? Like maybe you didn't grow up Jewish or the law of Moses doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but my guess is there is some other quote unquote law or some other thing, some other way that you put your trust in because you believe it leads to salvation or well-being or, you know, whatever the, the word that you want to use is, it leads to that, you know, if I do this, then it will lead to that, right? And so I'm pretty sure everyone out there, whether they consider themselves religious or not, uh, believes in some kind of way, some kind of quote-unquote law um, that leads to salvation, okay? Um, but again, for the Jew, it was that the law of Moses, it was the covenant of circumcision. And so that's what Paul is addressing um, in this letter. And that is a, you know, that's pretty big statement for him to make, um, to come against that. And so, you know, one of the big, I think, statements that he makes, at, you know, in this section that I highlighted at the end of chapter two um is he, he actually says this in verse, uh, what is it, verse 16. He says that this was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. And it's the second half of, this, of the sentence that really gets me. But he says, because by the works of the law, no human will be justified. No human being will be justified. So, you know, for me as a Gentile, I am a Gentile. So for you Gentiles out there, like it's I think it's easy for us to just read that statement and say, OK, cool and move on, you know. But I just I just imagine for, you know, the Jewish person who was raised their whole life uh, to believe that the way they were made right before God, the way that they were saved is by obeying the law of Moses to make that statement that actually by obeying the law, no one, it's not possible for anyone to be justified. You know, it's one thing if he said, you know, a lot of people will try and they'll fail. You know, he's not saying that. He's saying this, in a sense, he's saying that system itself doesn't lead to salvation. That system itself doesn't lead to justification. And that's, again, that's where it can get real confusing because like I've said before, um, you know, it'd be one thing if they were following some pagan religion or just, you know, no religion at all, you know, then it's easier to understand how God can come and say, hey, you're, you know, you're deceived or you're not walking in the truth. Like, this is the truth. Now walk in it. You know, that that would be easier, I think, to um, to digest, you know, than for God to come or for someone to come and say, actually, that covenant that God gave to Abraham, that law that God gave to Moses, actually, that system or that covenant or that law doesn't ultimately lead to righteousness or it doesn't ultimately lead to salvation. You know, that is just a scandalous thought. And so, you know, it becomes easier, I think, to understand why the Apostle Paul would have persecuted the early church or why the Pharisees would have pushed back so hard against this new teaching because it's literally upending 
everything they have, not just they, but their whole people, you know, for generations has been raised to believe and uphold. You know, so it's pretty scandalous statement that Paul is making. Um, and especially, I mean, it would be a massive statement no matter who makes it, but especially when you consider Paul's background. Again, you know, he calls in other letters, he says, you know, he was a, the Pharisee of Pharisees, you know, like he was blameless as it came to the law of Moses, you know, because he he believed in it with all of his being. And he he gave his whole life to live it and to also teach it to others, right, and to uphold it in his community. You know, this was his whole life. And, you know, like I said, to the extent he believed in it so much that he was willing to persecute anyone who would dare to speak against it, you know, who or dare would to or would dare to suggest that there is another way to salvation other than this. You know, he was willing to persecute anyone who who would say that because that's how much he believed in it. So, in a sense, Paul is the perfect messenger to deliver this message because. People are well aware of his background. People know who he is. And for him to make this statement um, is pretty profound, you know. Um, but here's the thing, you know, it was offensive for the Jew and it's offensive to pretty much all of us. Like I said, if even if you're a Gentile and you never believed in the law of Moses to begin with, you know, again, you believed in something. You believed that there was some other way um, that would lead to, you know, your happiness or your wholeness or your fulfillment or your salvation, whatever it is, you know, there there is something that you believe leads to that. And so for anyone to come and say, no, actually, all of that only comes by faith in Jesus, you know, that is offensive. So just to be clear, it's not just the the Jew, you know, who's going to be offended by this message. We are all to a degree going to be offended Um by this message and again you know he he's saying this is what the gospel isn't it's not salvation by works right um it's not something that we can earn it's not something that we deserve and that is offensive because like i said there's a part of us that you know that is almost like hey that's good news good riddance to that old system you know like i don't want to have to earn my salvation or i don't want to earn my standing before God because I'm aware that I can't do it or it's just, you know, it's impossible, you know. Um, so for it, to a degree, that's good news to us. But there is that part of us that actually also resents that message um, because there is a part of us that wants to believe we can earn it. There is a part of us that wants to believe we can, you know, repay anything wrong that we've done, you know, that we can pay our debt and ourselves, you know, or we can cover our own shame or we can answer our all of our fears, you know, like there's a part of us that wants to believe that we have that power within ourselves. And for someone to say that we can't or that we don't have the ability to do that, um, it's offensive. It's humbling it, to to put your faith in Jesus is humbling because you have to be willing to admit that you need a savior, that you need help, that you need the son of God to pay the price, pay the debt for you, that you can't do it on your own. That is good news. But again, there are reasons why we can hear it as 
bad news, okay? But Jesus comes to bring this new covenant, to usher in this new covenant, and it is a whole new reality. It's a whole new way. Um, and that is really, really important. That's really important because what I have found in my life, you know, as someone who grew up going to church and reading the Bible my whole life, you know, um, what I have found is that a lot of people, when they think of the cross, when they think of Jesus and what he did for us, you know, the way we kind of think of it almost as a do-over or a clean slate. Now, there's some truth to that, but here's what I what I mean is that we have to understand that it's more than that. It's not just a clean slate because otherwise the way we'll treat the new covenant is, you know, okay, I know I messed up. I know I sinned. I know I can't, you know, pay for that sin on my own. So thank you, Jesus. You know, you paid the price to wipe my slate clean. But then a lot of times what will happen is we will go from that point and we will con go back to trying to earn our righteousness and trying to have our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds or trying to perfectly obey the law. And Paul's, Paul's whole point, it's not just that, you know, Jesus came and gave us a fresh start, a clean slate, but it's that he transferred us from one system into a whole new system from one reality into a whole new reality, you know, and that, um, again, that's not something that, you know, I'm not sure that a lot of Christians today understand that, um, you know, and so he makes this pretty, um, amazing statement, um, Oops, my iPad just turned off. Okay, um, he makes this pretty amazing statement in chapter 2, verse 19. He says, For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. This is a very famous verse now. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, beautiful verse, but, um, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of times I hear this verse quoted, and, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know that I've always understood what it means, and I'm not convinced that the people quoting it always understand what it means, because I think, you know, of course they understand that Jesus died for us, and, you know, all these things. But again, I think a lot of people treat the new covenant as just a fresh start to continue in the old system, right? Like your sins got wiped away, but now you got to go back to square one and try to obey perfectly and try to earn your standing before God. And, and Paul's point is, no, 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 that whole system doesn't lead to salvation. It doesn't lead to justification before God. So we have to understand that so Paul is it's not he's not saying that he is willing to die for Jesus. We know, we know that he is, but but I'm just saying that's not what he is saying in these particular verses. He's not talking about martyrdom or being willing to lay down his life for Jesus. What he's saying is that 
by identifying with the death of Jesus. Because here's the thing. He says, for through the law, I died to the law. So I think what that means is, you know, by the standard of the law, we all deserve death, right? There is not one righteous. The law is clear about that. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter how good of a person you are, even if you've come close, like maybe you've obeyed the law, you know, 90%, 95%, even so, according to the law, if you don't obey it perfectly, then you deserve death, honestly. I mean, I know that, again, that's not popular to say. That's incredibly offensive. Um, but that is the standard of the law. And so we have two choices. We can either, you know, be punished according to that standard or by by putting our faith in the death of Jesus, then what Paul is saying is is what happens in that transaction is that we actually end up dying to the law because we embrace the death of Jesus as our own, because we accept it as a sacrifice in our place then instead of us dying, you know, Jesus took our place and died. But what that means is we are now dead to that old system, meaning we're no longer judged by that old system. We're no longer under the standard of that old system. And so whereas in 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 the former system, again, we needed to earn our standing before God by obeying the law in this new system Christ now lives in us. In, in other words, we get to live our life under a new system, under a new reality. And I think that's what Paul's talking about when he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, I think that's another phrase that is often misunderstood. We think living by faith means like, you know, for some people, it means like they're trusting God to provide their salary, you know, like missionaries or something. You know, sometimes we think that's what living by faith means. But again, in this context, again, I'm not saying you don't need faith to live that way. But I'm saying in this context, what Paul, he's not talking about that. He's saying the life I now live, I live according to this new reality. I live out of this new reality that I am already forgiven, that I am already accepted, that I am already beloved. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to, you know, have a perfect record to maintain that status. I It's given to me as a free gift because I put my faith in Jesus. That's it. There is no other uh, prerequisite. There is no other qualification. That is the entirety of, that's the entire basis, that's the entire requirement of this new covenant, of this of this righteousness before God, this salvation. That's it. And so, again, it's by when we choose to put our trust in Jesus, it's it's yes, it is being forgiven. Yes, it's it's all these things, but it's it's not just it's not a clean slate unto continuing in the old way, right? It is a whole new system. It's a whole new reality that we are brought into. And so, again, this is just the beginning. Paul's just getting started um, talking about what the gospel is and what it isn't. But 
Um, the sad thing to me is that even today, you know, we live in the age of grace. We live in the, you know, with 2,000 years of church history and we live under the new covenant. And yet I find so many Christians, so many churches, what they're teaching, what they're discipling people into is still a form of the old covenant. You know, and we might articulate these incredible, um, you know, incredibly eloquent doctrines of grace. We might, you know, be able to quote all the scriptures. And yet, if you really break down what we believe, you know, I find most people, what they really believe deep in their hearts is that, well, God, God is pleased with me when I'm doing well. You know, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm praying I'm fasting, I'm giving, I'm serving, then God's pleased with me. But if I'm not, if I'm failing, or if I'm just not doing those things that great, you know, then he's not pleased with me. And, he, and but more than he's not pleased with me, he, it's like, I'm, then I'm not right before God, you know, then I'm not saved, you know. And like we, again, we correlate our salvation with our works, and again, good works have their place. They're just not the basis anymore. That, you know, that's the point. Um, and so, you know, again, I find that many churches today are still living as if they're under the old covenant, though we articulate doctrines of grace and doctrines of the new covenant. And so just as Paul needed to do in his day, I think it's so important that we today get clarity on what the gospel is and what it isn't. So it's again, it's not performance. It's not earning. It's not striving. Not, uh, not striving to earn God's approval, I should say, or his favor. We already have it. If we're going to strive, you know, we do it because we're already accepted, right? We don't do it in order to be accepted. So there is godly striving. There is still good works, but it's a response to the grace of God, to the goodness of God, to the favor of God that we already have. It's not trying to get into the room, but it's living out of the fact that we are already in the room. It's not trying to get into the family. It's living out of the reality that we have been already brought into the family because of Jesus. And so, you know, again, it's so urgent, I believe, um, that we get clarity on what the gospel is and also what it isn't. Um, and again, Paul's just getting started and so are we. And so I hope this episode's been a blessing to you. I hope it's been helpful and we will continue next week. Um, God bless you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review, and we'd be especially honored if you would pass along the podcast or recommend it to a friend. Before we sign off, I just wanted to mention one of the most popular services we offer, which is coaching for individuals and couples. So on this podcast, we're able to share biblical truth, practical wisdom, but we're speaking on in very broad terms. That's just the nature of the medium, right? Uh, but what coaching allows us to do is to get into the specifics of your story or your situation and apply these principles in a more focused way. And while we can't promise that we'll always find a solution or resolution, many times we've found that it's helpful for people just to have someone to listen and process life with. Sometimes that's actually what we need the most. 
Um, so if that sounds appealing and you're still not quite sure, we even offer a free 30-minute session for new clients. That's a great way to try out coaching with no financial obligation. Um, you can find more information about coaching or our other services at our website, thejourneyhome.global. And finally, if you want to connect with us, you can email us, you can connect by social media. All of the links to our accounts are in the show notes below. We truly love hearing from you, and we promise we actually will read and respond to your emails or social media interactions. Um, so thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.